Today is uh, World Communion Sunday. A couple of times already this weekend, I have gushed to Heather about the display on the communion table. Breads from all around the world, whether uh, baguettes or challah, all the nations of the earth love bread. I, I noticed that missing from the display are chocolate chip cookies, but that will be taken care of, I hope, before the 11 o'clock service. But it's a reminder to us of the essentials of bread and water. I had the uh, privilege this last week of being at the World Vision board meeting in Seattle, and we heard a report uh, from uh, a man who referenced Jeffrey Sachs. Some of you remember Sachs's uh, Harvard professor, best-selling uh, author of a book about world poverty. Sachs says that we have a unique phenomena happening. That for the first time in history, really, we have as many people dying of starvation as we do dying of obesity. He said we have always had those who have malnutrition and are starving for food, but we have in this crazy system of ours now about as many people who are stuffed with food and having problems as they come to how they would eat and how they would live. They hunger, whether they have too much food or not enough. And it started me thinking that there is a hunger all through our lives. There's a hunger in our stomach and and a hunger in our heart. There's a hunger that reveals something missing. For some, that hunger is not easy to identify. It's like a faint strain of music that you hear, but you can't quite tell what it is. But you know there's something missing. Thomas Kelly wrote a book about it. We are unhappy and uneasy. In spite of our wealth, we live strained, oppressed, and over the margins of life comes a whisper, a call, a tiny call that is a premonition of richer life that we know is somehow passing us by. We have hints that there's a way of life richer and deeper. I long for that life, Kelly says. Today, I describe it as spiritual hunger and thirst. Spiritual hunger, spiritual thirst is simply the human need for a relationship with God. Not for religion, God knows, but for God. Well, I've, I've come to believe that God is the one who puts that hunger in us to call us into relationship. And God's love lies at the root of our hunger for more. God's Son says, I'm the bread of life and I'll sustain you. I'll provide for your needs and I will strengthen you on the journey. Through this life into eternity, come and let's eat together. I, um, I, don't, I don't think this happens to me often, but this week the, the sermon has been really affected by uh, yesterday's worship in this room. In In the afternoon, there was an ordination. Somebody who has worked long and hard to be set aside as a minister. We celebrated that in the evening. We had our Saturday night service. And in the morning, we uh, 
we had the funeral of a 41-year-old woman who was a friend whose husband is in one of my studies. And, and so I knew Emma, 41, mom of three, 10 and 7 and 4, and she died of ALS. Terrible, terrible disease. And this one has hung on to me. As I've been preparing to talk about the bread of life, I thought that Emma is somebody who ate the bread of life. She had a strong faith, no saint, but a a strong, committed believer and a loving mom. She ate the bread of life and she's dead. How How does that tie in? It'll pop up. We're talking this month about who Jesus said he was. Seven different times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am. The very first of those is this one. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He says that in John chapter 6. It's fascinating because he says this right at the peak of his popularity. Right before this, he has fed the 5,000. They come, they're hungry, he feeds them all, and there are bushel loads of food left over. They want to come and make him the king. He knows that. Even if he doesn't want it, they'll force him to be the king. So he sends the disciples across the lake in a boat, goes off to pray, and at night he walks across the water. Another miracle to the disciples, freaking them out, and they go to the other side of the lake to escape the crowds, but the crowds wake up and say, where is he? And they chase him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That is where Jesus lays his cards on the table. Literally, he lays his cards on the table. He says this. When the crowd found Jesus on the other side, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I'm telling you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the bread. Don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures for eternal life, which I'll give you. It's on the Son of Man that God the Father has set his seal. And they said, well, then what do we have to do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one that God has sent. So they asked again, well, what sign are you going to give us so that we can see it and believe you? What work are you going to perform? You know, in the the wilderness, our ancestors ate the manna that kept them alive. God said he gave them bread from heaven. And then Jesus said to the crowd, I'm telling you the truth. That same phrase will happen five different times. I'm telling you the truth. It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives the true bread from heaven that gives life to the world. The crowd said, well then, sir, give us this bread all the time. They are imitating the Samaritan woman. Remember John chapter 4? Jesus says, if you knew who sits in front of you, you'd ask him for living water and you'd never thirst again. And the woman says, oh, that's great. Give me that kind of water. I'll never have to bring this heavy bucket again. The crowd is saying, give us that bread. We're tired of having to bake every day. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Who believes in me will never thirst. I'm telling you the truth. Third time. Whoever believes has eternal life. Verse 41. 
At this, all the Jews began to grumble about Jesus because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't that Joseph's son? We know the father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? Who does he think he is? God? Jesus said, stop grumbling. No one can come to me unless the father draws them and I'll raise them up at the last day. No one's seen the father except the one from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, fourth time. Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yeah, but they died. This is the bread from heaven, which people may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. He has left the reservation. Verse 52, Then the Jews began to argue strongly among themselves, How can this man give us his own flesh to eat? And Jesus said, I am telling you the truth, the fifth time. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. By the way, this is the part of the story where many of the people who come to check out Christianity and reject it, this is the part of the story where they got the idea that Christians, Christ followers, when they gathered around the table, were cannibals. Literally cannibals eating the flesh of their leader. On hearing this, many of Jesus' disciples said, this is hard. Who can accept that? And verse 66, and from this point on, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 5,000 plus were there. It says in the Gospel of Mark and Luke and Matthew, 5,000 are there, and he says this, and he turns around, and they're all gone. They've all left. Except for a little core. And Jesus asked the 12, Do you want to leave me too? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, To whom should we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. It's a long story, but it's packed. How did things change so quick? To the woman at the well, Jesus offers living water. All of the Samaritan, these half-pagan, half-Jew people hear about that, and they come running, and two days later, they say, we believe. But here, Jesus goes home to the Jews who have been looking for a Messiah, and they all walk away. How does that happen? It says the crowds came, and then they grumbled. If you were an Old Testament scholar, you would realize that he is repeating the story of the Exodus. Remember, God saves the slaves Israelites out of Egypt. They go out into the wilderness. Right from the start, they whine about this. They complain about that. They grumble about this. They all want to go back to the hotels in Egypt. Oh, wait, we were slaves in Egypt. They still want to go back. I'm hungry. They don't like the food. I'm thirsty. They don't like the water. Are we almost there yet? And here is the same thing. The response of the crowd tells us a lot about the difference between what people want And what people need. So often the very thing that people need the most 
is the last thing that they're looking for. And that's why we, not they, that's why we sit in the crowd and we grumble. I'd like to say to you, as Jesus says, I'm the bread of life for you. Are you stuffed? (laughs) Thanks. Or are you starving? I'm dying for that. How do you react when Jesus says, eat my body, drink my blood? Do you grumble or come forward? They grumbled. Some of them grumbled, Jesus said, because they wanted the wrong thing. These folks couldn't stomach Jesus. Shifting from bread for the day to bread forever. They were materialists. They wanted Jesus for what they could get out of him. When the missionaries went to Japan and China, they were wildly unsuccessful. Few people wanted to pick up the cross and follow Jesus. Until they noticed how many poor people there were, and the Jesuits and the Dominicans started to feed the poor, and they flocked by the thousand and became Christians and loved Jesus and went to church. And by the hundreds of thousands, they proclaimed themselves Christians. But then the Franciscans came, the Brothers of Poverty, and said, they're coming for the rice, not for Jesus. Here's the acid test. Take away the rice. See if they keep coming to Jesus. The problem with rice Christians is that when the goodies are gone, so are they. I'm not sure the American church is all that different. Too many people use church for business contacts, community status, to get God on my side. Rice Christians are all over the world. We look to God for what we can get. And the first time God fails to deliver, something went wrong with God. Jesus told the crowd, don't work for food that spoils, but for eternal food. Emma's death, Emma's death reminded me that the bread of life that Jesus offers uh, It cannot mean it'll all be good and better all the time. It just, she ate the bread of life and she died terribly. Jesus sees these people who say, I want more food. I got to tell you, her death reminds me that the life that Jesus offers goes through the cross and not through Disney World. We want. Jesus that brings us to Disney World. Last night it was so funny, there was a kid sitting right there, and he goes, but I like Disney World. (laughs) So do I. Disney World is great. Jesus is not promising Disney World. Some of the crowd seem to recognize that Jesus was talking spiritually. They're used to that, and they want to know, how do we get in? They ask Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Because for Jews, for all the Jews, Moses rescued them, then went up to the top of the mountain, came down with the commands and said, if you do these things, you will live. If you don't, you will die. They are used to the commandments being the minimum entrance requirements to get into heaven. And Christians are exactly the same. Tell us what rules there is. Tell us what the threshold is, and we'll get one answer above that. The Jewish people were very sincere. They weren't manipulative. They were tenacious. But Jesus is saying the bread of life is not about trying harder 
working more, getting the score right. As a matter of fact, when Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, the central part of the Sermon on the Mount is you cannot follow the law well enough to get into heaven. There's got to be another door. Jesus says the door is me, the bread of life. Wherever the bread of life is baked, it is not among the scorekeepers. Presbyterians are great scorekeepers. We're proud of what we do in the name of God, and that's good. But it always ticks religious people off when they're told that trying so hard will not necessarily be rewarded in this world or the next. And so, Jesus says to the materialists, no more rice Christians, and he says to the legalists, it's not about obeying the laws. And then he turns to the folks who said, what sign are you going to give us? What sign are you going to give us next? That's the key word. What sign are you going to give us next so that we'll believe you? Uh, Our student ministry staff on the table uh, allowed me to go with them to a conference this week down in Atlanta. 13,000 people, all of them decades younger than I am. 13,000 people crammed into this arena, and it was fabulous. The speakers were world-class. The music and worship went on for hours. It was filled with sights and sounds of creativity. It was powerful, and as you walked out, you go, holy cow, now we've got to go back to church. That's what's happening here. What sign are you going to give us? What are you going to do next? Because unless a God does something to top that, then there's something wrong. What's next? Some of you are spiritually stuffed. Because you haven't done anything with, with what God gave you last time, and you're already looking for what the next meal is. And some of you, some of you don't think that you're really a follower of Christ because you haven't felt that feeling. You haven't felt close to God. You haven't felt loved by God. You're sure that your faith is sick because God doesn't feel close. You're saying, what sign are you going to give me that that I'm close? Jesus says, this is the sign. You're going to eat my body. You're going to drink my blood. And you're going to live forever. He gives an alternative to being a materialist who gets more or a legalist who obeys more, or a sensualist who says, what's next? And Jesus says, are you still hungry? How do you develop a taste for the bread of life? Blessed are those, Jesus said, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the right thing. How do we eat his flesh, drink his blood, live forever, starting today? Well, I I think it starts with where he started. Eat my body, drink my blood. I think the people who eat the bread of life come together. We worship together. Yesterday, the ordination service was worship. And our gathering at 515 was worship. We ate and we drank the blood of Jesus together. And maybe the strongest worship was in that funeral. Where we talked about Emma's life and how much we miss her. And and as we walked out together in the hope that Christ offers eternal life, people were hugging each other and crying together and being comforted by hope that will not die. You cannot eat the bread of life alone. We are called to do it together. Jesus said, 
If you come to me, eat my body. He is called the Word. Jesus said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means we need to feed on God's Word. Uh, The problem for me is that you feel like, oh yeah, well I come to church. Do you eat once a week? How would you do if you crammed as much food into your body as you could in one hour, once a week, and then tried to live a normal life? It doesn't work. We need to eat on a regular basis. We are trying here to do that together. Over 1,100 of you are in small groups where you feed on God's Word. So that's at least a second meal. I, as you can imagine, have to read the Bible quite a, a bit. But that's just study. Four, five, six times a week, I... I go someplace, get by myself, and I open the Bible and I say, God, speak to me and teach me how to speak to you. And sometimes I don't hear anything. And other times God says this, that, read on. God speaks to me and God wants to speak to you so that you can speak to God. We worship together, we feed on his word And then Jesus asked very poignantly, are you going to leave me too? If you want to eat the bread of life, then you can't leave Jesus. You have to be like Peter and say, we're staying with you. We need to remain with the Savior. The problem with remaining with the Savior is Jesus refuses to stay in church. Jesus leaves church and goes home to your home. And he leaves home and he goes to work or to school or wherever you go in the community And you have to follow Jesus to remain with Jesus. Are you doing that? Or does Jesus stay here so you leave Jesus at church? In the next weeks, we're going to talk about the guidance of the shepherd and abiding in him. So that's the message that I think Jesus is conveying there. Are you leaving me too? We will remain with you. I love that old hymn. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's me. I love Jesus in church. Do I love him when I'm yelling at somebody in the parking lot? Where is Jesus when I'm trying to do my taxes? Peter says, are we going to leave? Where else could we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Life that has begun for us, Peter says, now and goes on. Forever. Are you hungry or are you stuffed? Can you develop a taste for the bread of life? Lord Jesus, this is a hard one. No wonder the kids get confused. For us to believe that the bread of life is your body and your blood is hard. For us to see that when we eat this bread, even if our bodies die, we live forever is harder still. But for us to live the old way, after we have heard of your love, that leaves us hungry. This morning we ask that you will feed us, not the food of people, but the bread of life that comes from heaven, and that will strengthen us to follow you all the days of our life. Bless us in the name of the Father, And the Son and the Spirit, we pray. Amen.